0: You're listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers Includes, international law firm Trowers and Hamlin's diversity and inclusion programme. Hello everyone and, and thank you for joining us on this special Trowers and Hamlin's podcast. My name is Ida Habush. I'm a partner in the corporate department at Trowers and with me is Clara Zekwe who's a managing associate in our banking and finance team. And Claire and I have come together today to just have a, a chat about um Black History Month. And just a, a note to everybody listening that all of the views expressed on this podcast are personal views to Claire and myself. They're not the views of Trous and Hamlins nor anyone else. And we do apologize if any of our words cause any offense. I wanted to discuss with Claire. Uh, The context of Black History Month in the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, which I think is becoming even more pertinent. Black History Month was first celebrated in the UK in London in October 1987, and it recognises the contributions of African, Asian and Caribbean people to the economic, cultural and political life in London and the UK. At Trowers, our Race, Ethnicity and Heritage Network, which is chaired by Claire. We'll be celebrating Black History Month in a variety of ways. And today we're starting with a conversation with Claire about her heritage, the Black Lives Matter movement and Black History Month. So Claire, firstly, I just wanted to ask what heritage means to you and maybe if you can tell us a little bit about your own heritage.
1: Thank you, Ida. So as we're lawyers and in typical lawyer fashion, I thought I'd start with um, the Cambridge Dictionary definition of heritage. Heritage means is a noun. So features belonging to the culture of a particular society, such as traditions, languages or buildings that were created in the past and still have historical importance. So it's a pretty broad ranging definition. And for me personally, my heritage is um, Nigerian, I guess at its very root and also British. I was born in Nigeria uh, many years ago and lived there with my parents until I was only a year old and then we uh, emigrated from Nigeria and moved to uh, Scotland for my dad's job at the time, so quite a um, dramatic change in temperature um, and cultural differences. Um, we lived up in Scotland for a number of years before moving down to England um, when I was uh, about five or six years old, and we've been in England ever since. Um, so for me, my heritage is is my Nigerian blood, my Nigerian family, my Nigerian roots, uh, but also Britain. You know, the UK, England. Um, this is where I have been raised and spent all of my life as in, in living memory has been here. So who I am as a person is very much a combination of and a construct of having been raised by my Nigerian parents, um, but also having been raised by them here in the UK.
0: Okay, I'm also sort of a similar situation being a, a second generation immigrant and, and obviously heritage does play a part in your upbringing and, and how you look at life. Um, so I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit about how your heritage has shaped your upbringing and, and your perspective on life, um, being that dual sort of national person where you've got your Nigerian part of you and your British part.
1: Of course. Um, so it's really interesting. It's I think it's definitely, um, the, my perspective on it now is very different to how it was as a child. Um, notwithstanding the fact that I've been in this country for virtually my entire life my parents um you know came from nigerian and, and understood their way of living and being from a nigerian cultural perspective and that very much was uh, a part of my upbringing they were um strict as parents and uh there was a lot of placed a lot of focus on education being extremely important um and you know we ate Nigerian food at home um, most days of the week um, growing up and you know would visit other Nigerian families that were you know that my parents met through through family or through connections and so whilst I was going out in the world and going to school uh, in a very British context um, my home life was very much that of Nigerian upbringing, Nigerian household um, so I was never absolved from chores or um, learning how to do things for myself uh, in a very practical way, um, and I do think that that shaped me in in making me. And I'm the eldest of, of five siblings, so this is this probably has something to do with it as well. But certainly um, shaped the way I I am. And I, I remember going to university and thinking, gosh, uh, for a lot of my friends. Um, university was the time to start learning how to do a lot of those things for themselves and by that point I was completely self-sufficient in terms of you know doing the basics in in looking after yourself at home and chores and the rest of it and and for me almost it was a bit of a transition to maybe enjoying myself a bit more with um without the sense of responsibility of being the eldest of, of five in in my university context I was uh, able to let go a bit more, I guess. Um, But, you know, whilst at the time, you know, being a young child or a teenager and thinking all these, all these things that my parents are making me do, or that I have to, rules I have to follow, um, whilst that seemed at times a bit of a drag, to be honest, um, it's definitely stood me in very good stead uh, as an adult. So, you know, hindsight um, definitely gives you the benefit of uh, seeing things differently. Um, And I think I've carried that through, you know, the upbringing I had has carried through with me uh, as an adult and certainly in the way that I work, I believe. Um, And so I am proud of that. And I think has has definitely made me who I am um, for sure. So, yeah.
0: Good. I think I I empathise with a lot of that. Um, But maybe just sort of moving on to being British, you've obviously got this British identity, but you've got this Nigerian uh, identity as well. um and obviously, in the context of Black History Month, what does it mean to you to be black and British?
1: it's uh it's actually quite complex, I think. Um, well not I think I know it it's it is almost it's two identities in one, and again, over time, um, as an adult, I'm reflecting on that in a different way. Um, you know, I'm British by the fact that I have a British passport. I have been, uh, I've held a British passport since I was a child. So, um, but I equally also hold a Nigerian passport. And there's definitely two sides of, of, of who I am that, that makes me the whole, as it were. Um, It's interesting when I speak to, when I've spoken to people who aren't British or have an Australian friend who has sometimes, uh, when we're talking in a group and has referenced me as, you know, one of the English um, people, as it were, she herself being Australian. When that's been said to me, I've thought to myself, well, that's interesting. I don't necessarily um, identify myself as English and I see, but but definitely would identify as A British person, because I think what Britain is and and who makes up um, Britain as a a country is very varied. And I think that word and that um, definition allows for anybody to be to define themselves as such. But I think our history as a country is quite complex. And so, and that I have felt that complexity perhaps in, in my own identity in terms of who other people might perceive me to be based on the way I look, but also based on how I speak. So, for me, being black and British um, is about my cultural heritage as a, a British person having lived here and, and my view of the world very much being dictated by life in britain um but also with a recognition and appreciation for for my roots and and where i've come from and um and that that is still very much a part of me and very much a part of this country overall i think with the the historical links that britain has to two other countries across the world um originally as the empire now as the commonwealth Um, Mm. And so there is, I think, one of the things that I think is really key going forward is that we as a country understand all of those links and ties and whether that history is good or bad, that we acknowledge it and and understand that there is a there's a connectedness about all of us, whether or not, you know, my Britishness might look different to someone else's Britishness. It looks different to your Britishness, for example. So. That would be what it means to me, I think.
0: And you mentioned sort of the the long and and complex history that um, Britain's had with the Commonwealth countries and the countries that used to be in the British Empire. And you've quite rightly, and I agree with you completely, when you say we've got to acknowledge the history, we can't just erase it, and we've got to sort of learn from it. So how do you feel when you see things like the statues of various, past historical figures being being vandalized being torn down what, what's your take on that do you think that we should acknowledge that they've happened and, and give them a, a place or do you think that they shouldn't be celebrated in that way
1: I think um you've you've used the word acknowledgement and I think that is primarily the most important aspect of of all of this of 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 history is to acknowledge what has happened um, and what people have done, and and with the benefit of hindsight again, and with the benefit of being in a place now where we, as society, want to do better and and be more equal as a society, acknowledging that people that may once have been celebrated, in fact, didn't do great things for everyone whilst they may have benefited some and that we have to acknowledge that some of the history isn't great it's not it's not all a bed of roses and um it's not all history that um we as a nation necessarily should be or want to be or can be proud of but those things happened and those things very much shape the country that we are in now and society today and i think understanding that better will certainly be beneficial in the long run because then perhaps we can all learn to understand a bit better the perspectives we're coming from. Now I from a personal standpoint in terms of seeing statues being torn down and the like to be honest the one of the main things that struck me was that I didn't have any of this knowledge historically I just I realized how little about of Black British history, or of of this, or of the slave trade, that and Britain's, you know, own history of slavery that I knew about so very little of it, uh, so much so that it that it makes me sometimes uncomfortable to to necessarily comment because I think, well, I don't know the full history, so I'm I'm aware that there's there is a lot out there, um, and that was that is perhaps problematic for me because I'd like to be better informed to understand the the points of view that I'm putting across. But at the same time, I think that's a fundamental problem that we can now find ourselves in is that we don't understand our history as a country in, to the fullest yeah. extent. And as such, it causes problems for for the way we live now and for people understanding how we've come to be who we are and and. and be the country that we are as, as Great Britain.
0: Yeah no I, I agree with you and just linked to that I mean obviously 2020 has been quite a um, turbulent year um, in general but it's also been quite a seminal time in terms of highlighting the Black Lives Matter movement and the issues of racism all around the world and not just historical racism but racism that persists today um, and it might be that there's sort of a lot of the racism that maybe we in our world, Claire, and I mean this sort of personally, maybe we don't see or feel on a day to um, day, day to day sort of aspect. But maybe it's because either we we're sort of in a, in a, I suppose, more understanding environment or it may be that we we've been conditioned to not even think about it. But maybe sort of given that it's all been highlighted through the Black Lives Matter movement, has anything changed for you personally since all of that, since the George Floyd and and all sort of everything that's happened this year?
1: Um, Yes, I think it has um, been, as you say, quite a seminal time generally. But for me personally... When I, I remember seeing on social media, um, you know, posts about George Floyd after, after he was killed, and I think it was the last weekend of May, I remember, I remember being very conscious that this particular incident felt different somehow, and I, mm-hmm. in some respects, I remember thinking, well, this has happened before, this is not the first time that we've seen something like this and but I was somewhat surprised to see how many other people seem to also be engaging with and responding to the fact that this had happened and responding with the same level of outrage and upset that that frankly the black community experience every time something like this happens and it was a slightly out of body experience almost because. I remember the incident really weighing on me quite a lot and feeling very sad um, that this was the s- state of the world that we were in and that something like that was still happening and, you know, and that almost didn't come as a surprise to me that it had happened, um, but I was surprised to see that others other people seemed to really be alive to the fact or engage with the fact that it had. Um, so it was i mean i didn't i did not watch the um the video myself I, I, I just didn't i didn't i didn't need to to understand the the magnitude of what had happened and the trauma and frankly it was it was incredibly brutal and i think that's perhaps again one of the reasons it it resonated with people and we're in a pandemic and you know and the rest of it but after that I remember really just starting to reflect myself and think, you know, when you uh, the social media was just awash with everything, you know, um, yeah. resources on how to be anti-racist and resources on, and, and information about the types of racism people face day to day, microaggressions. And, and it isn't just the very brutal killing of black people by police, you know, that's one quite extreme end of the spectrum. It's all the other bits in between all that are, you know, Lesser than that day to day, but still are things that people experience. And I really reflected on a lot of things that I had experienced through my life. And I think I've been particularly fortunate not to have suffered much overt racism. But I remember Mm -hmm. an incident when I was a child and I was at the airport with my parents and we were coming back from a holiday and, you know, everyone hustle and bustle and everyone, you know, just wanting to get home and off the plane and out of the airport and a man um, racially abusing my dad. I remember um, being, I think, a teenager with my brother, who's basically the same age as me. We walked into a sports shop and immediately security guards, I could see them watching us, paying attention to us, Mm. paying extra special attention to us. We didn't stay in there for very long, because I was like, I I don't need this. I don't I remember comments that people have made to me, um, perhaps innocently. In fact, for the I'm sure for the most part very innocently, that I have just let slide or or even not even acknowledge that they might be a problem. I have just accepted that that is how things are for me or for my family or you know, as a, as black people, and so. The Black Lives Matter movement and the the widespread engagement and understanding, or engagement at least, with racism, with anti-blackness, was really a moment for me to realise, well, hang on. Okay, this is this has been a, a, a feature of my life that I have known forever, but this isn't the way that I necessarily should be accepting that life has to be, and it is a problem. Um, So I'll be very honest, it was, it was a, June was a challenging month. And I think unpacking a lot of things that I had internalised, so much that I had internalised that I hadn't even realised, was really quite traumatic and upsetting at times. And, you know, what was particularly um, distressing at times to think about was the fact that you know, yes, there's the, the daily microaggressions or the those those smaller things that then you know and become a bigger thing made up of smaller things. But but the thought that you know the likes of George Floyd could be any one of my you know the the men in my family. I have a 16 year old brother. I have a, another brother in his 30s. I have uncles. I have nephews. And and that that very stark realization that that those things could still happen to people, you know, that I'm related to, that I care about um, was, wasn't great. It really, it was, Um, yeah, it was, it was quite a sad, it was, it felt very sad to realise where we were in the world, but also encouraging that for once it didn't feel like only black people were seeing that and other people were also being outraged and that there was a a, seemed to be a genuine movement to try and do better and be better. And I do think that a huge part of that is, is education and understanding and acknowledging our history, our history here, our history all across the world, um, because, you know, understanding one another is only a positive thing for learning to live together and appreciate and celebrate our differences.
0: Mm. No, I understand that. I mean, I think when it all started and and with George Floyd and and the whole sort of BLM movement, I think I was pretty surprised that that still existed, that level of racism still existed in the world. And I thought, hang on, haven't we got over this? Um, But clearly not. And obviously I don't feel it in the same way that you do but perhaps maybe there's been some sort of um, underestimation of the racism that is still around. Mm. Um, and have you, so from your personal perspective, obviously, you know, you, you've you said you've grown up in the UK, you know, you, um, you've been to a school where presumably you were in the minority university, probably a little bit better, and obviously in the working world. Have you personally had situations of of racism targeted at you during your working life um
1: again I think I've had the the fortune of not being subjected to much in the way of overt racism but at the same time I have also gone about my professional life in such a way that I know that my blackness is is a feature of who i am that will that may cause people to judge me in a particular way and so i have to i i perhaps have always subconsciously done what i can to immediately dispel whatever preconceived idea someone might have about me based on the color of my skin and i think possibly when i was more junior that was even and and before i moved to to london that was um perhaps more more of a point point. Um, and I mm. perhaps remember an incident when I was, I think I was a trainee solicitor at the time and um, I remember as a trainee being at a, a, an event, a work event and one of the guests there, you know, saw me and I was standing, I think, with a drink. I was wearing, you know, business attire. I think it was um, <laughs> very very conservatively I was wearing grey trousers and perhaps a jacket nothing quite as colourful outlandish as you might see me wearing these days. But um and I remember the this individual just looking at looking at me and I think he questioned, you know, who I was and, and why I was there in such a way that suggested he did not assume that I was there in a professional capacity as a as a lawyer, trainee or otherwise, um and couldn't quite reconcile in his mind what I was doing there, dressed in this, dressed in workwear, mm-hmm. but I was a black woman, so how was I, you know, I, can't, I I, remember the exchange and I remember feeling like I had been, I was being, uh, he was second-guessing my, the relevance of me being there. Um, but, wow. so, you know, and these things, there, there might, there may well have been more incidents like that, but I think I have just wired myself to power forward and, and, um, Show people who I am and what I'm capable of, and and do the most to very quickly dispel any unconscious bias they may have towards me that they may not even realise they do have. Um, but yes, yeah. it would be naive of me to say that I had never, you know, the f- the fact that I my default position is to to be and act a certain way um, just because I'm I have to assume that people will judge me based on the colour of my skin, um, perhaps says it all really. Yeah. And
0: I think that you're right, that's probably the the key thing is that you've probably um, conditioned yourself not to even think that those comments are are anything at all Um, Mm. and that you have to just live with it, which shouldn't really be the case. I mean, I think we need to appreciate what colour we are, but also not be made to feel like we are different or a minority, or whatever the case may be. Um, Okay, and then I I know, obviously, at Prowers and you and I being part of the diversity committee, we've focused a lot on heritage and and race, and we know that people are willing to be allies and want to be allies and want to help and want to highlight these issues. And we as a, a subcommittee are doing a lot for... Black History Month um, this month Um, maybe we can you can sort of explain why Black History Month is so important and and how you'd like to see non-Black people take part and maybe a bit more about how you can see people um, being allies but not being um, condescending in in the way that they do it
1: yeah of course Um, so As you touched on at the beginning Black History Month is um, really a celebration of and recognition of the contributions of um, black people um, to life in the UK Um, and so I think it's important for exactly that reason to celebrate the contributions of black people um, particularly where more often than not the narrative about around black people can be quite negative, negative. Um, and so it's it's really important to remember and acknowledge the huge range of black people in the UK who have who have uh, you know and across the world really who have um, contributed to society in a positive way. But at the same time, it would be great where we don't have to have just one month where that is acknowledged and that actually people are just um, acknowledged and celebrated for their individual contributions at at any point in the year, at any time. But, you know, we are where we are. And so having a month like Black History Month just allows that focus um, to be on the narrative of the great and the good of our society um, and, you know, our our Black culture in this country. I think, as I've said before, one of the key things and one of the most important things of all of this, and and, and I think one of the key focus areas with um, Black History Month and engaging with it is around education, is around understanding. Um, And, you know, I would encourage anyone just to find something out about Black history, anything, you know. You can pick a topic of something that's interesting to you, sporting, entertainment, science, whatever it may be, and the history is there. It's just not something that we have um, necessarily been taught uh, or that is brought to our attention, you know, through schooling, but the history is there and and actually learning about it is really valuable and um, can help change perspectives on on things that we thought we knew. And understanding and education, I think, leads to more tolerance. And mm. so I think I would like to see people just to demonstrate a willingness to learn a bit more or understand Black history and acknowledge that it is completely relevant to British society British culture you know and Britain as it is today um, it's been hugely encouraging and uplifting to see so many people you know both at our firm but also just more widely you know social media shows you everything really but that are willing to be allies and and some of that is performative but there's a lot out there that isn't and I think one of the key things in being more than Performative ally is is exactly is doing that work, but doing that work on a you know on a continuous basis. And reading one book won't won't change that, but it's a it's a really big start. And continuing to engage in these conversations, difficult as some of them are, um, and also listening and um, accepting that the experiences that people have that they ex- that they have that they may say that they've had whilst those don't resonate with you on a personal level because you may, yourself may not have experienced it, doesn't negate the fact that someone else has. And yeah. just having that capacity to to listen and empathise and perhaps try and see see in the world how things might be structured in such a way that a whole group of people are at a disadvantage purely based on the colour of their skin or, you know, and there are so many other factors that, that general message and theme of education and understanding and listening goes across all differences that anyone may have any of those characteristics that that the law protects to you know to benefit people who are otherwise disadvantaged because of a particular feature of themselves you know i think we can we can all if if this pandemic has taught us anything it's it's that You know, slowing down and taking time to engage with each other is really, really important. And I think we should be trying to do that in all aspects of our lives. And and for Black History Month, I think educating ourselves and celebrating our whole community and supporting that community is really valuable.
0: Thanks, Claire. And thank you for all your answers as well. I think that's been really interesting and really interesting for me in particular as well, to hear your thoughts and your experiences. Um, And I think just as a final message to everybody listening, education is, is the key. And we ourselves may not know as much as we should about our various backgrounds and the history of the country that we live in and come from. And that's probably where we should all start. So thank you very much for your time, Claire. Thanks, Ida. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers Includes, international law firm Trowers and Hamlin's diversity and inclusion programme. Find us at trowers.com forward slash Trowers Includes and join in the conversation on Twitter at Trowers hashtag Trowers Includes or find us on LinkedIn and Instagram.